welcome to America's beloved sex podcast, Dr. Sex Fairy. I am Dr. Kaval Bhava, America's favorite sex doctor, and I am here to transform your life. Today, we are talking about a topic you chuckle about every now and then, but likely know little about, and that topic is swingers. I have with me Dan and Lacey, hosts of the Swing Nation podcast. They are a married couple and are very open about being in what is known as the lifestyle. They are here to answer all our questions, including why this lifestyle works for them. Welcome, Dan and Lacey. Thank you, Dr. Bawa. Happy Thank to be you. here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast. Let's start with your story. How did you both meet and marry? Well, I guess I'll start. We were both on a swinger website as singles. So I was a single female, which was a unicorn. He was a single male, which was a bull. And I saw his profile and I messaged him and I said, how are we the same age and live in the same city, but we don't know each other? And come to find out, he was actually there for work. So he had changed his location to my city because he was there for that week. So we ended up chatting, and we just really hit it off. Would you say, babe? Yeah. I was traveling for work, and she messaged me. And at first, I thought it was fake. I thought it was somebody spamming, trying to get pictures or something like that. I'm like, there's there's no way this beautiful young lady is messaging me on a swinger app. Uh you know, they call them unicorns for a reason. Single females in the swinger lifestyle are, are very, very hard to, to come by. So I was super skeptical, but she messaged me and said she'd like to meet up. And she sent me some pictures and made her seem like she was real. And sure enough, she was. And I think we very much intended to have kind of a friends with benefits type relationship. Yeah. Um, but it, it quickly spiraled to us being inseparable. And here well, we are. And it really worked out because we never really planned to be like together. We just sort of became really good friends who would have sex, you know, when you came into town. But because we were just really good friends, a lot of those like conversations naturally started happening about like what we wanted in the future and would we ever be in a monogamous relationship. But somehow we just kind of fell for each other while having all of these conversations. And then we got engaged and then we were married. And so it's just kind of been a crazy journey. We never expected to meet someone in the lifestyle that was our forever partner. Interesting. So are swingers usually married couples? Uh, yeah. So I think for the most case, normally, uh, a lot of the couples you do meet are have been together. A lot of them have been together 10, 20 plus years. And they're, you know, they kind of found this lifestyle because they were looking to spice it up and, and things like that. I would really say, though, since COVID, it, it seems to be that this lifestyle and the whole non-monogamous community it seems like there's kind of a a bigger interest in it. I think yeah. because of you know apps like TikTok and these other social media platforms, more and more people are kind of figuring this out, and you're starting to see more you know couples that are dating or even singles start to show up at events and stuff like that. So I definitely think it is a growing community, but for the most part, it is you know your forty you know third upper thirties, forty year old, fifty year old married couples. What's the difference between full swap and soft swap? So soft swap is usually how people start in the lifestyle. So it's everything but penetration. So any version of that you want it to be. Full swap couple is they're open to do anything, obviously with consent and boundaries being respected. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So in this lifestyle, you'll see every couple kind of has different limits and boundaries. But when we communicate with each other, it's nice to have these kind of key terms so that you can kind of have an idea. So it's very common when you first meet a couple to kind of exchange like, oh, you know, what are you guys into? Oh, we're a soft swap, same room couple. Or, oh, we're a full swap couple that will play in separate rooms and kind of have that dialogue. And then you can then after you kind of get the basics out, people will dig deeper into, oh, well, we're soft swap, but we don't kiss. Or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of rules. And I think every couple is different. And really, that's what we advocate for is to really have those conversations and go through your rules and boundaries with couples so that nobody makes the, a mistake and oversteps and, you know, causes hurt feelings when they don't mean to. So what's considered cheating in the swinger world? Well, I would think every couple is going to have a different answer to that. For Dan and I, everything that we do is consented on prior to doing it. So if one of us would to go off separate and the other not know, and it wasn't consented on prior to, that would be considered cheating. We also do all of our communication through group messaging. That is one of our boundaries. So if we meet a potential couple or a potential single, every, every communication that we have with those people, we're all on the group chat. So I think anything outside of that would be along the lines of cheating. Yeah, basically anything with deception. If, if one partner is trying to deceive the other and not being full, fully open and honest about what's taking place, then I think that kind of is when you cross that line into cheating. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that like swingers, it's just a free-for-all or considered an open marriage when in fact we have pretty strict boundaries and I don't like to say rules, but we have things in place to protect our marriage. So those things don't happen. Do you ever get jealous? Uh, I guess I'll start this one. Yeah, we get jealous all the time. Yeah. Uh, And that's another question we get asked all the time on TikTok and various places. I think jealousy is a normal human reaction. I think if I didn't get jealous, that that would be kind of a red flag for me that, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. questioning how committed I was to this relationship. But uh, I think jealousy is a normal human reaction that we all experience. And I think it's natural and normal and healthy. Uh, I think the true question is, how do you then deal and process with that emotion? Um, and for me and Lacey, it's, it's often just open communication saying, hey, when you did this, it made me feel jealous or it made me feel this way. And sometimes that might lead to us changing a rule or changing a boundary. Often it just, you know, is us communicating it, reassuring our partner that that wasn't my intention. And you are, you know, still, you know, I love you more than anything. You're the most important thing to me. And just really communicating through that. And I think that's really the best way we can deal with it. Yeah, just getting it off my chest sometimes. Um makes me feel better. I'm typically more the jealous type between the two of us. I always have been, even in monogamous relationship, I've always struggled a little bit with jealousy. So I'm not surprised that in a non-monogamous relationship that it's not there as well. So I just tend to immediately communicate my feelings and where my mind is and how I'm feeling. And that helps me so much. Why do you keep swinging now that you've found each other? It's a great question. Uh, yeah, I think we both enjoy it. You know, with two people, there's only so many things you can do. And when you have four or six or eight or, or more people, it, it just opens up so many more possibilities. We love the community, being allowed around open-minded people that, you know, don't judge you, that don't care necessarily about how much money you make or what kind of car you drive. It's just a, a much more authentic connection with people. And honestly, the sex is great. And, you know, the parties are fun. And, We just really enjoy the community aspect of it. Well, and I'm bisexual, so it allows me to be adventurous with women, but still maintain my marriage to him. So I'm able to explore that side of myself safely 
and with consent, which is fun for me. But we get that a lot. Like they're like, y'all are both so cute. Why would you, why aren't you enough? And we are enough. I think that's a big misconception. He is enough. If you looked at me today and said, this is it, I let's just be me and you, I'd be like, okay. I mean, would I struggle with wanting to be naughty? Yes. But we would figure out a way to make it work for us. And I think that's important for people to realize that. Yeah. It's, it's what I love about our relationship. It's essentially, I found my life partner who I care about. We have a house together. We have children. We do all the normal married things, but then we're able to go out on occasion and explore our fantasies together and have these kind of wild sexual adventures and kind of explore together. And the nice part about that is you have your partner beside you that whole time who is often encouraging you and there to catch you if you make a mistake and there to build you up if you're feeling not mm-hmm. confident. Um, I think it's, you know, it's just a very, very rewarding lifestyle that I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of. Same. It works for you. It does. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. So do swingers have orgies often? We do. <laughs> I think, again, this whole umbrella <laughs> of being a swinger or being non-monogamous, you're going to find couples that, that engage in this lifestyle in, in totally different ways, right? There are some couples that only play, that only bring a single male into their relationship, mm-hmm. and that's the only play style that they ever engage in. There's other couples that will only bring a single female in. There's other couples that just, you know, maybe they have one other couple that they engage with and play with. But then you have swingers like us that like to go to parties and events, and we like group play. We call it group play, but orgy, I guess, is also yeah. the correct I term. I think we say group play more because on TikTok, we have to censor ourselves. But yeah, it's totally an orgy. Yeah. Um, but we love it. And it's not what you think. I think people think of an orgy and they think it's a bunch of strangers that meet up and just start to go at it. And really, for us, an orgy is a group of two or three or four other couples that we're friends with, often have known for years, You know, often have had sex not in an orgy situation before. And we, we just happen to all get along, have a connection. And, you know, if we can all get on the same bed and have fun, it, it makes it even that much more fun and exciting and, and sexy. So uh, I don't think orgies are necessarily what people think it is. No. And there's also very much consent mm-hmm. is a big part of orgies. I think people think that like everybody just hops on a bed and it's a free for all. You can touch, you can grab. And that's not the case, at least not for the ones that we participate in. We are big advocates for asking permission to do anything. And just because someone is on a bed with you doesn't mean you have to do anything. We've been in many of orgies that I've not slept with multiple people on that bed or vice versa. Um, And even had people approach you and had to decline them in that situation. Yeah. So it's all about learning your boundaries and what you're comfortable with and in having your own voice, which again, like back to why do we do this? I think as a female I've always kind of struggled with saying yes or no. I don't know why. I just have. And I think if anything, the lifestyle has kind of taught me how to have a voice. And if I'm not comfortable with something, being okay to say no. But but orgies are very fun. They're so it's much fun. one of fun. our favorite things to do. They're, yeah. <laughs> we're a big um, advocate for orgies. And it's funny because we'll meet friends and they're like, we don't like that at all. And we're like, really? What is there not to like? It's so much fun. <laughs> so are you literally... In a situation where you are having penetrative sex with somebody else in front of each other. Oh, yeah. That's our, that's our preference. Like yeah. always. I mean, we're same room. So everything is done where we can see each other. Sometimes we're even on the same bed. Sometimes we're on separate beds. We prefer to be really close to each other. Sometimes we hold hands. 
Sometimes we lock eyes. High fives. Um, high occasion. fives. Yeah. It was, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. We'll totally high five. Yeah. And, and people, a lot of people don't understand that. And, you know, we, we are very big advocates for the word compersion. And if you don't, you know, for people out there listening that maybe don't know what that means, compersion is getting pleasure from seeing your partner get pleasure. And a lot of people maybe don't recognize that with sex, but you can think of it like, you know, if you baked your partner a, a, a cake or something and you see them eat it and you see them, you know, kind of light up and enjoying that thing that you made for them. Right. And that's kind of the idea of compersion is seeing your partner get pleasure brings you pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're huge advocates for that. And I enjoy seeing Lacey enjoy herself. It, it's very pleasurable for me. I think it's the same for her. And, you know, I think lots of couples are very familiar with the term jealousy and things like that. But there's not a lot of couples that are familiar with compersion. And I think it's such a strong emotion that, you know, mm-hmm. really needs to be celebrated more. Hey, different strokes for different folks. If it works yeah. for you, who are we to judge? Yeah. Now, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but how do you keep from getting sexually transmitted infections? Well, you know, for us, I was raised in the South for school. We taught you get a STD and like your life is over, right? You, it's, you're done so. And I think if anything through this, we've really learned. I mean, yes, we do not want an STD. We don't want anything, but we've learned that there's only a few that you can't be. What's the word I'm looking for? Treated for. Yeah, I mean, most of them you can get an antibiotic or something like that, and you're fine. However, thank goodness we've never gotten one. But we also don't just hook up with random people. I think people hear the word swinger and they think we're all going to pile in this bed together and everybody's going to fuck everybody. And that's really not the case for Dan and I. We try really hard to get to know you, have a level of trust, um, become really good friends with you before we even get into the bed. Of course, at that point, we always use protection. That is definitely number our number one rule. We are also tested every three to four months to make sure that we don't have anything because we don't want to be sick, nor do we want our friends to be sick. Yeah. And I, I think what you'll find, and, and we get to ask that question often, and there is this stigma, I think, that swingers are out there just spreading STDs you know, all over the place. But truly, swingers are generally an older group of people. Educated. Uh, they tend to be a little more educated, and they tend to educate themselves about STDs and, and the ways to prevent it. And, uh, you know, like Lacey said, we always use protection. We get tested regularly. We have conversations with the people we engage with uh, about STDs. And, you know, we only engage with people that we would trust that would tell us the truth and have our best interests in mind uh, to protect us. I think as a 38-year-old man, I'm much more safe when I engage with sex with Lacey and in the swinger community. I'm much more safe now than I was when I was young and in my 20s and, and sexually oh, 100%. active. 100%. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's all I can say is if you're completely scared of STDs, you, you probably can't leave your house and can't, can't do these types of things. But if you educate yourself and take the proper precautions and get tested, I think there's some levels of risk that we're just willing to accept. Because, you know, you can treat gonorrhea, chlamydia, mm-hmm. but herpes is forever. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, there are, herpes is, AIDS is, you know, there are diseases out there. Um, and again, all we can really do with that is, you know, get tested ourselves and then, you know, encourage our friends to get tested and have those conversations. So do swingers usually swing with someone new or is it usually the same group or married couple? It depends on the couple. Some people prefer to swing with new people every time. So there's not a level of like worried about falling for someone. For us, we prefer not to do that. Now, does that mean we've never just hooked up with somebody? We would be lying to say that we haven't done that because we have. But 
we prefer to really get to know you and then become friends with you and then swing with you. And so a lot of the people that we swing with tend to be the same people. If we're going somewhere, like next weekend, we're going to a Valentine's Day party. We just invite all of our friends. So nine times out of 10, we won't swing with someone new. We'll just swing with the people that we always swing with. Yeah. For the most part, we have a group of friends that we're comfortable with, and it generally seems to be them that we end up playing with. On occasion, we meet new people, and if the spark's there and it, it works, then we'll go for it. And if not, then we'll, <laughs> we always have our friends. Yeah, but swinging looks so different for everyone. That's why it's really hard. This is just our version of swinging. But like I said, some people prefer just to hook up with random people every time, and that's okay, too. How do swingers usually find each other? swinger websites before you know there used to be magazines and newspaper you would i know we're going to talk about the pineapple later but the pineapple but now we have websites um they're very much like dating apps but for swingers so you literally put exactly what you're what you are if you're bi if you're straight what you're looking for and couples can browse them just as if you would a like normal everyday dating site We also have swinger parties that we go to where pretty much everyone there are swingers. There's clubs, there's hotel takeovers where they literally will buy out the whole hotel and be a party. There's resorts all over the U.S., outside of the U.S. that are swinger resorts. Social media? Yes, social media has gotten big, which, you, you know, you run into... Being, you know, not exposing yourself by using stuff like Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, but that's definitely a way to find other people as well. How do you keep your own relationship interesting and spicy? I think me and, me and Lacey are both very, very sexual, uh, sexually active in our in our personal life. Um, but honestly, I think swinging, it helps keep it that way. When we go to an, a party or an event and we engage with others, it almost kind of gives you this high. And I think you kind of ride that sometimes for weeks or if not months after that event where you know we'll be in bed doing stuff and talking about things that we did at the club or talking about things that we did at this other weekend with a couple. And I think we're very open with each other about our fantasies. And I think I used to be in a monogamous relationship and I was ashamed of like watching porn or ashamed of some of my fantasies. Um, I think with Lacey, I'm in a relationship where she supports that, celebrates that, you know, kind of encourages that. And I think because of that, it keeps our relationship uh, very sexy. We engage in sex daily, if not daily, every other day. So that definitely keeps the spark there. We also only swing about once a month. I think if we did it multiple times a week, I think our regular like sex life would probably, I mean, it would lo- it would lose something there because we don't you think? Well, yeah. If you were swinging all the time, it would you know it, it kind of encompassed your entire sex drive. But- yeah. But it does, because we space it out and we very much live a normal everyday life, except for the weekends that we kind of slip away and have naughty fun. I think because of that, it kind of keeps our relationship and our sex life the number one yeah, priority. I mean, there's the build up to the event and then there's mm-hmm. kind of the the aftermath that kind of coming down from that high after yeah. event where we can kind of ride the waves of that, that, yeah. that, that stuff. Now, given your lifestyle, how do you stay close as a couple beyond sex? Well, <laughs> the interesting thing about me and Lacey is we uh, we live together, we work together, 
um, you know, our podcast and, and we do everything uh, together. We plan events now. We, you know, we, we host our own swinger lifestyle events across the country. So we're um, attached to the hip. <laughs> we are attached to the hip 24 seven, but we also do go on dates. Uh, you know, we take our kids on vacation. Uh-huh. You know, we, we have baseball games. We, you know, we do everything. You know, I think people see us on social media and they think that our entire lives revolve around swinging. And in a lot of ways now, uh, you know, it is a very big part of our life, but we are absolutely a normal everyday couple that will go on a, for a walk on the beach mm-hmm. or go out to dinner, just me and her and drink wine and, you know, all those normal things that, that people do. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're very normal except for once a month we sneak away and have this like naughty weekend of fun and then come back. So otherwise, I mean, now we have a podcast, but other than that, everything else is in our life is just like anybody else's, like just like all of our friends. Now, you're very open about your swinger lifestyle. How do others manage to keep this private? Well, we were private for a long time. We never really intended to go public. Well, I mean, we did. We made a TikTok, but we didn't really understand that TikTok had quite the reach that it did. Yeah, 11 million views later, everybody knew Everybody about knew <laughs> that we were swingers. Um <laughs> But before that, we were very private and were able to maintain that privacy for years. Um, like I said before, we would just live our everyday lives like normal, just like normal Dan and Lacey. And then every so often we would go away for the weekend. Now we did have to come up with like Cover stories. elaborate stories, you know, like somebody we were going to visit someone in a different state or we went to a um, swingers resort in Jamaica. We told everybody we were just going to like the sandals next door. So there's ways. And to be honest with you, I would say 80%, if not more, of the lifestyle is very private because you have doctors and lawyers and, you know, we've met senators, teachers. They can't be public. So the majority of the swinger lifestyle is extremely private. Yeah. I mean, they you know, they don't post their face pictures on on their profiles. They're behind lock and key. And, if Mm -hmm. you you know, you have to unlock those for certain couples if they want to see them. There there very much is privacy built into the community as a whole. And I think a lot of that is because of the stigma that surrounds being a swinger. Because people do live in fear that if they're found out, they could lose their jobs. They could, you know, they might have to have custody battles over their children with their exes. And it's it's very much a, a thing that, you know, still exists in this community. It's a big part of me and Lacey's platform to push back against that stigma and to try to change some of these rules because we think it's unfortunate that this community has to be underground. Now, if they want to be, I think it's you know their choice to be. Totally respect. Um, but I don't think they should have to live in fear of being outed and, and what the consequences of that would be. Are cameras and phones then not allowed into these events? No, they're not for the most part. Some clubs will allow cameras in their club portion but then not in obviously in the back in a playroom or anything like that. So, but I would say overall in the swinger lifestyle, cameras and phones are a no go. Yeah. And if they are allowed, they have specific spots. They might have like photo booth areas mm-hmm. kind of set up where if you want to go take pictures with your friends, you can do that. Again, I think swingers are very protective of other people and very careful not to want to out anybody. So, you know, if you're going to take a picture of somebody, you make sure you have consent to do that. Cameras aren't just out in the open filming and taking photos of people that don't want to be, you know, and there's also security. Yeah, a lot of these clubs have security. And if you're seen out there just recording people or taking photos of people, they'll they'll kick you out. Oh, I mean, I've even was like checking a message on my phone and they thought the way I was holding it that I might be recording and they would 
they've had me put up my phone. But so it's privacy is very important to not only these venues because they don't want to be known as the venue that lets people take pictures and videos, but also other swingers are very protective of each other because you don't want to be the person that got someone outed. How often do people in the lifestyle use Viagra and Cialis? Every day. All the time. Yeah. So I think I would say nine, probably at least 90% of the people of the men in the lifestyle um, use Cialis or Viagra. And I would say in most cases, they don't use it in their personal life. They just use it for swinger parties, events, and when they're engaging with other couples. And I think that's mostly because of, you know, performance anxiety. If you're at a club and you're drinking all night and then you go to have group sex and there's people watching that you're not f- comfortable with or maybe engaging with a partner that you're not comfortable with, I think performance anxiety is a real thing. It's something that I personally have experienced. And so a lot of these men turn to those um, ED medications for th- for that reason. It's so unfortunate because now with the treatments that are out there and especially with what I do at my practice, Bava Medical, with Bava Wave, our shockwave protocol, with the Bava Shot for both men and women, with, you know, even Bava Big, our penis enlargement procedure, there's so much that can be done. And it's unfortunate that so many people, A, don't know that it exists and B, are taking medications that are potentially pretty dangerous. And also I'm assuming that the people who are taking it aren't always taking medication that's prescribed to them. Yeah, it's safe to say, one, some men don't realize that they're going to have performance anxiety issues, so they get in the situation, and then it's common for, for other men in the space to say, hey, just, just to say, you'll know, be all right here, just, just take this pill, and then you know, we'll try again in 20 minutes or something like that. You do see that, and I agree, you know, we, we've actually met men in the lifestyle that have caused permanent nerve damage from taking medications improperly, and me and Lacey are big, big advocates for if you do need that type of medicine to go to your doctor, have a conversation with them, and get your own medication subscribed and not be sure sharing it with other people. But I think to, to your point, I, I don't think a lot of people know about the types of treatment that you're I doing. I, don't, I just don't think it's, you know, it's it's widely talked about. I don't think people, a lot of people know that that even exists. And, and so it's, it's exciting that we know you and we're, we're having these conversations and getting that information out there. Well, I'm trying my bit to spread the word of wellness and not relying on the little blue pill. Between the TikTok, the podcast, YouTube, and my other social media channels, I think I'm starting to make inroads into that. Yeah. I think we found one male at a swinger club and uh, he had had some type of PRP therapy done. Oh, and he and was, he was yeah. raving about it. I mean, he was raving about it. Like, you got to look into this. You got to check this out. You got to, you know, um, and that kind of led us down to this research. And then, then eventually we uh, were contacted by you and we're like, oh, man, this is exactly the thing that he was talking about. So I think it's very interesting. I think it is something that's starting to kind of. We've had one person talk to us about it so far, but I think swingers would be very interested in that alternative method of dealing with that. I just think most of them don't know about it. Well, I think the way I do it is unique and really a game changer. So I'm glad that at least now people have a safe option because you take Viagra recreationally and then you don't realize that you have certain contraindications, reasons why you shouldn't be taking it. Your blood pressure could plummet. I mean, these are real concerns. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why we're big advocates for making sure you consult with your doctor and don't just give somebody medication because, you know, they're just trying to help their friends. You know, they see their friends struggling mm-hmm. maybe to perform and they, they just want to help them. But gosh, if if something terrible happened, I mean, it would be a bad situation. So uh, I think you're right. I think having a conversation with your doctor, maybe looking into alternatives, especially for those that maybe because there probably is a big part of the community that can't take um 
those types of medications if they have heart issues and things like that. So it is good to know that there are alternatives out there. Oh, absolutely. Now, how do your families feel about your lifestyle, given how public you are? Well, we didn't tell any of our family. They have all found out either by TikTok or somebody else told them, and they were shocked at first. For my family, they were like, did Dan make you do this? Did Dan talk you into this? Because, you know, the man always gets blamed for everything. And so, you know, I had to explain to them, no, I was in the lifestyle before. And it it definitely was a shock, at least for, for me, because I was this sweet Southern girl that they thought was just living this normal life. They had no idea that behind closed doors, I was this freaky woman. But now they've definitely came around. I would say it took them a few weeks to kind of realize that I was the same girl and the same person. I'm very lucky that my parents are very loving and very open and not judgmental. So they love me for who I am. My mom comes and helps us make merch and do whatever we need to do so we can like go and throw parties. So I'm very, very fortunate that my family loves me and accepts me for who I am. Yeah. And I think something else worth noting is, you know, we have three children between us. Uh, and they, they all are now aware of what, you know, us and being swingers and kind of, you know, the platform we have. And that was nerve wracking for us to have that conversation with them. My oldest is, is 18 and our youngest is 13. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the age bracket. But, uh, that generation of children is so much more open to different relationship styles, you know, very pro LGBTQ plus we're having those conversations with them. We're kind of like nervous about what they're going to say. And they're like, we don't mom and dad, we don't care what you do, but, but how did you get that many followers on TikTok? You yeah, know? And like that's all they cared about. That's they're all more they care. interested in that people are buying our t-shirts and following us on TikTok. than they really mm-hmm. are interested in about how we engage in sex. You know, it is awkward for them. It's embarrassing uh, for them. But I think in a lot of ways, I think they respect us for being advocates and, and speaking out for, for the people that we, we do. Yeah. What do you think the biggest misconceptions about swinging are? I think people think that we just hook up with everyone, that it's a free-for-all, that if you want to have sex with us, we're down. And that's not at all the case. We're very picky. We're very respectful of ourselves and our bodies. We don't just hop in bed with just anyone I think that for me, that would be my biggest one. What about you? Yeah, I I think that is absolutely the biggest misconception. I think people think that if they go to a swingers club or an event, that they somehow are obligated to engage in sex and orgies with random people there that they may or may not want to engage with. And I can assure anybody that's listening that that's not how it works. Non-monogamy is a lot like monogamy. You get to to court your partners. You get to choose. You get Mm -hmm. to have conversations about consent and boundaries. And you get to say what you're okay with doing and what you're not okay with doing. And overall, the the vast majority of the couples that we've ever talked to and engaged with are very respectful of that. Mm -hmm. Um, They're very understanding of that. And and, and it's, it's a very open community to where you can have those conversations about what your wants and desires and fantasies are. And then once you're comfortable, you can go experience that and nobody's going to force you to do anything that you're not comfortable. Well, that's great because consent is important. Very. It's super important. So tell me about the upside down pineapple. <laughs> well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, to do about the pineapple. It's funny we posted our first upside down one of our first viral videos was us putting an upside down pineapple on our car, and it sparked outrage across the internet about you know don't, that's our pineapple. Don't take our pineapple. Don't ruin it. You know, there's other communities that use it. Uh, inf- uh, infertility is one yeah. that uses it. 
Um, a hospitality community uses In the pineapple. Beach town uses a lot of beach it. towns <laughs> use pineapples. And they all let us know that swingers can steal their pineapple, or that we ruined it for them. Yeah, and our <laughs> response to them was always, "It's okay. We like to share, so it's we, we don't have any problem with that." But uh, no, so the kind of the myth behind the pineapple is for the internet. If you were grocery shopping and and you wanted to meet other swingers, you would just take a pineapple and you would put it upside down, and then other swingers would come and find you. There seems to be a little bit of truth into some of that, but for the most part, I think swinging or the pineapple is kind of this hospitality symbol. Swingers use it as if I'm going to be share my wife with you, that's like the most hospitable thing that you can do. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there has to be consent and obviously there has to be a connection there. Um, but I think that's kind of why swingers have adopted that single symbol. Uh, and by turning it upside down, all that means is that we're actively seeking making connections with other people. Yeah, but we get a lot of questions like, does people actually come up to you or or people will say, I put my pineapple up down in my cart and went to Walmart and nobody spoke to me. And like, I really laugh because these people are serious. And we're like, guys, come on. Like, it's 2023. We're not putting our pineapple upside down in a cart. I mean, we'll do it for a funny TikTok, but we're not doing it to actually meet people. Like, it's more of just like our logo. I mean, like mm-hmm. the swingers symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't actually wear things upside down to attract people. We go to swinger clubs. We go to swinger vacations. We go on swinger websites to find people. We've even had people say, I met this girl and she had a pineapple shirt on. Do you think she's a swinger? I'm like, I don't know. I would never assume. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, swingers definitely do tend to decorate their house in pineapples and things like that they do um but there's also a lot of people that uh see it as a hospitality they just love symbol pineapple, or yeah. or like you said a beach town kind of community symbol so mm-hmm. you definitely don't want to make any assumptions but uh no. it's definitely something we enjoy now if it's upside down i mean that's pretty it's pretty guaranteed yeah, at that point guaranteed. i don't think there's too many people that aren't swingers that are flipping pineapples upside down yeah well i'll tell you something interesting i posted a tiktok on my account dr sex fairy And uh, it was about pineapple and how it makes the semen taste different. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of comments about, will you hold that? I was holding a pineapple. And, uh, of course, the right way. And then people started making comments about, why don't you flip it over? And I couldn't (laughs) understand what the hell they were talking about. And then I had to Google it and I found out, oh, my goodness. Okay, (laughs) I made quite the statement inadvertently, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. No, had you been holding it, imagine if you had been holding it upside down just by circumstance and, and didn't know uh, and had posted that TikTok. You would have had a, a whole community of people reaching out to yeah. you probably to. Well, I think I might do that to promote this podcast <laughs> oh, episode. You should. <laughs> you should, yeah. It seems to, um, and not all swingers use the upside down pineapple either. It seems like it's definitely regional depending on where you yeah. are in the U.S. So some swingers are like, I've never even heard of that. And others, of course, Love it and are all yeah. about it. So there it are just, other symbols. Yeah, flamingos and gnomes and black rings and white rocks. There's there's a whole uh, there's a whole list of possible swinger yeah. secret symbols out there. And people are like really really concerned about like if someone has something, are they a swinger? And I'm like, just let them live their life. Don't worry about it. Don't ask them. Just let them live their life. Yeah, and then if you want to go down another rabbit hole, you can always Google the the colored loofahs. Um, in uh, what, the villages, the villages in, Florida. in Florida. I've seen a few viral TikToks about really? that. Really, the here villages. Yeah, yeah, so it's near you. Um, they they drive like golf carts because it's kind of like 
I wouldn't say retirement home, but it's a retirement community. I think. Yeah, yeah, and they put it is a retirement community. Yeah, so they put the colored loofahs on the antenna of their golf cart, and that represents whatever they're into. If they're into full swap, or if they're bisexual, or if they're straight, or in the kink, or yeah, they have colored. Yeah, loofahs you can for look everything. it up. There's a different loofah for everything. Apparently, there is a large swinger community in the villages in Florida. If you didn't know that, doctor, I did not know that. See the things you learn every day. You yeah. might you might have to go take a visit to the I know, to just I'm and you know, I should. <laughs> yeah, and I should actually come to some of your events to just talk about the mm-hmm. medical options that swingers have at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Because for instance, to give you an example, even the ones that can't travel to me, and many, many people that find me online do, but even the ones who can't travel to me, I can always mail them my supplements. So many of my patients were taking junk off Amazon and from these triple X sex stores and um, you know, I would look at those bottles and I tried to figure out what was in them and I couldn't. I tried to find somebody to talk to and there was no one to talk to. Mm-hmm. And so I started my own line of supplements and they're US made here in Florida, right near me. And we have a testosterone booster, which, you know, every man needs. And then we have, um, well, almost every man needs. And then we have Sign the nitric up. oxide booster, which darn near everyone needs, mm-hmm. male and female, because it promotes better blood flow. And whether that's better erections or better lubricated, better functioning vaginas, the idea is it works, it helps. And then, of course, the third one is our libido booster and also for sexual health. So that also, of course, is for both men and women. So there's so much that can be done. There are so many good medical and non-medical alternatives to Viagra and Cialis. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Using our platform and our voice to kind of get all that out there, you know, some of the alternatives and and just because you like you said, there's just so many people that just don't want to talk about this on all sides. And I think the more we can be have open conversations and share information and and get good information out there, I think it, the better it is for our community. And I think the better it is for um, sex as a whole. Well, I agree. I mean, your podcast and mine are amongst the top podcasts in the world at this point. And clearly, there's a need for this information and people are tuning in. Well, we're glad they're listening. And uh, we, we look forward to keeping having these type of conversations long into the future. Well, how can people find you? Yeah. So if people want to find us, they can uh, search The Swing Nation uh, on anywhere they listen to podcasts and they'll be able to find our podcast. And then if they want to find us, all our social media links and and pretty much all of our information is on theswingnation.net, theswingnation.net. Well, thank you, Dan and Lacey. It's been a great conversation. I'm sure that people have really, really enjoyed listening to you both. Thank you, (laughs) Dr. Bawa. As I said earlier, different strokes for different folks. My podcast is all about taking the shame out of sex and sexuality and promoting wellness and medical treatments that are a game changer for many. I hope you found this episode interesting and informative and that you can better accept your own choices, whatever they may be. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed the Dr. Sex Fairy podcast today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. If you would like to get in touch with me, email me at askme at drsexfairy.com. Don't forget to follow this podcast and leave me a five-star review. And make sure you follow my blockbuster hit TikTok account, Dr. Sex Fairy.